For nearly seven years, Star Wars fans have clamored for the return of the Clone Wars. The Emmy award-winning series introduced fans to the likes of Ahsoka Tano and Clone Captain Rex, as well as expanding on previous characters like Asajj Ventress, General Grievous, and Darth Maul. Earlier this year, Clone Wars finally returned for its seventh and final season after being cancelled as part of Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm. Today, we return to a galaxy far, far away to discuss these last 12 episodes, as well as the long-awaited duel between Ahsoka and Maul. I'm Brandon Kessler, and this is Nerdcraft Nation. Welcome back to Nerdcraft Nation. I'm here with my co-host Austin Hall. Hello. Chris Walker. Good day. And Jose Lopez. Hey everyone. And we are here to t- finally talk about Star Wars the Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> As folks would know, hopefully, that with the end of the Skywalker saga, there was one last dance, so to speak, for the George Lucas Star Wars content. And that ended up being the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars. It was previously canceled uh, due to the Disney purchase. And an incomplete season six was aired on Netflix exclusively. And then the series was brought back for one final season, which just concluded its run on May the 4th. So I just wanted to kind of get a read of the room how did folks feel about this last season season seven Austin, i want to start with you what were your thoughts on clone Wars season seven i was blown away i think that from the last arc to even the first few episodes you could see that they really knew what they wanted to do and from a production value standpoint raised their game tenfold the way that they presented the final arc i would have liked to have seen throughout the season i mean obviously that was a directorial or artistic choice to make the last arc of show of episodes theatrical but i I was blown away by the stakes it's impressive to me that we know what's going to happen but we don't know how and the way that they were able to add tension with how is Ahsoka going to get out of this how is Rex going to get out of this how are they going to remain the good guys seems to me hard to pull off and yet they pulled it off beautifully so blown away would be what I would say my takeaway that's awesome was there anything that you particularly felt strongly about whether strongly like or strongly dislike I liked the Martez sisters arc I know it didn't really seem to serve a purpose other than to show Ahsoka's growth and how she saw herself as a Force-sensitive protagonist, but not a Jedi. It does kind of come off as plot device for let's give her two characters to show in a precarious situation to show how she reacts to things now, how she handles things now. But I thought the Martez sisters were interesting, almost to the point where it seemed to me a shame that they were kind of just characters that existed in this one story arc and probably not be heard from again. But I think they have a lot of stories to tell, and I enjoyed the stories while they were being told to us. That's awesome. Yeah, it it was kind of interesting with them because they were a bit of a deep pull for their background because it turns out like during Cad Bane's holocron heist is when their parents got killed and then they had a run-in with Luminaro and Dooley and then they didn't feel particularly comforted by her and so they just kind of were put off by the Jedi so when they yeah. find out that Ahsoka used to be a Jedi they're just like wait you're a Jedi wait you can quit what so no Austin I agree with you I think that this arc was a bit important for Ahsoka's character growth they were necessary characters I'll come back to it probably when I talk as well that was a good very good point Jose how did you feel about the season well I'll be honest in pre 
reason that I only watched the essential episodes of Clone Wars is watching it through. So the Bad Batch episodes didn't make the cut. And since I heard all this talk about the Martessus arcs, I figured I have to watch that. And I'm glad I did coming off the wrong Jedi arc for Ahsoka. So it was glad- good to see where she was considering she wasn't really in much of season six. The last one before it got canceled in like one flashback episode. But yeah, I was glad to see where Ahsoka finally ended up because this is a character that it took a while for me to actually like her so if, like in the first episodes of clone wars in the initial season she kind of seemed to me like anakin 2.0 she was like a hot-headed arrogant kind of like i can do whatever because i'm all super cool awesome jedi i don't need to obey orders i'm too cool for that no and then she got some actual character growth and then it was really the wrong jedi arc that made me love this character and it really showed me wow how much she's been through showing that growth and that training payoff and then like touching on her again in this season was really great to see i think for the season as a whole i think the last four episodes are where it's at that's where the meat of this season is that's the real meat of the season the first initial ones the bad batch like i said i didn't watch that those episodes because they didn't make the essential episodes cut but the martez sisters arc i thought they were fine it reminded me a lot of solo a star wars story the movie like it was basically uh, yeah. another like contraband run on spice the shipment gets lost then they have to like double cross yeah. the person who hired them and then they get into this intense shootout and then Darth Maul is also in the background in a hologram <laughs> to top it off. Yep. And there's a crime syndicate. And there's a well, crime syndicate, well, yeah. yeah. Dryden yeah, Boss was actually both. in there. Yeah, Dryden Boss both. was in there, yeah. yeah. Teasing up that Crimson Dawn connection for Solo. But sure. yeah, I thought overall the Martez sisters episodes could have been trimmed down an episode. Like there was literally an episode where they end up in a holding cell for the, they get out and then at, by the end of that they get back into that same episode, that same jail cell. So I figured, okay, there was one episode you could have you could have cut and it would have still flown through perfectly. I think the most essential takeaways from those episodes were where Atsoka's been, where she's been at for the last few seasons, setting up the Mandalorians coming back into play and dragging her into the siege of Mandalore, giving us a tease of what Darth Maul's been up to as well. So overall, yeah, I'd say the last four episodes were really made this stick out. Those were the panty droppers. Those were the ones that really got you going with the lightsaber duels with Darth Maul. Oh my god, then then the whole Order 66 arc, that was a great payoff, so I think it ended beautifully, and it was so beautifully done, and it tied so well in with Rebels, I feel like, because the last episode of this Clone Wars ends with Darth Vader finding Ahsoka's old lightsabers, and then Rebels opens up their first episode with Darth Vader sending the Inquisitor to hunt down the Children of the Force, so it felt like, almost like poetry. It rhymed. It just went through together so well. So yeah, overall, really enjoyed at least the last four episodes of the season and the rest of them was fine I guess solid show arc so far so yeah that's my take awesome was there anything you felt strongly about strongly liking strongly disliking well you already know Maul is my boy love seeing some more Darth Maul coming back into play and then having Ray Park coming back into the mix to do the motion capture was awesome and then yeah just Ahsoka I loved her blue lightsabers um, I thought that they paired with her better than their green ones just color wise it just meshed better it looked better visually all the actions scenes in the last episodes were fantastic Maul's escape that was awesome love the whole payoff at the end with the, the siege of mandalore so i think basically my take is that this sh- the last four episodes were basically dave filoni's application for uh, kathleen kennedy's position Ooh, damn <laughs> damn he threw that out there early. so it's not hot takes yet <laughs> yeah throwing that hot throwing take at the end early yeah shit throwing grenades out when you want. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Chris, what were your thoughts on season seven? I really enjoyed it. I think this has already been said, but like Ahsoka Tano's entire character arc, like it starts out at a, as a low, like she's not a fan favorite to start with, but she grows and she grows on you because she is growing and it's really inspiring to see. It's actually, frankly, kind of amazing that, that they gave her such a rising arc and that it doesn't feel contrived at any point. Like they're just trying to give you a new hero out of nowhere, but they really build it up and they build up the lore with her and they built her into the lore that they already have going on with Star Wars and truly it hits a crescendo in this last season. I really, really enjoyed the Siege of Mandalore arc. That was honestly the perfect note to end it on and to wrap it back into Revenge of the Sith, Episode 3. Honestly, Episode 3 is the best of the prequel series. You know what? Yeah. 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 It really is. Just because of how it ties everything together and how this ties into 
Revenge of the Sith, including the Samuel L. Jackson and Hayden Christensen voices and everything like that from the archives. Like everything just ties together in that arc so well. The Bad Batch, I really wound up enjoying though. Like it was just fun. Yeah. So they're just all over the place. And also like the clones are the, they're the backbone of this series because it's a clone war and we're given this idea that the clones are not all the same. They are, there are differences within them. So to go and to explore their different clones throughout the series is kind of awesome. Honestly, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I lowered my expectations just because I didn't want to get overwhelmed by them. But honestly, from week to week, I really enjoyed like watching it and I would get very excited to watch it. And I don't get childlike excitement on week to week series just so I don't disappoint myself. But I got real fucking excited every week when I would go to watch this because I knew it was going to be better than the sequel series. And honestly, that's a low fucking bar. (laughs) On Especially after Rise of Skywalker. Like, I'm going to be honest, I had real Star Wars burnout. And I was like, after Mandalorian, Mandalorian gave me back some trust. But I was like, you know, still a little just like, eh, something's got to give. And this show really, like, renewed my faith in Star Wars. Dave Filoni needs to uh, be running that shit. He needs to be the Kevin Feige of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. It's crazy the contrast between someone who clearly loves Star Wars and someone who likes Star Wars. J.J. Abrams can say whatever he wants. He likes it. He doesn't love it. Dave Filoni loves it. I thought you were about to be talking about Kennedy. I also thought you were going to talk about Kennedy. She doesn't love it. She likes it. Yeah. I could like I was watching the docuseries for The Mandalorian and the difference was palpable of like her trying to understand like how things go together and then just Filoni being like, well, bam, bam, bam. Bam, I know the lore. I talked to George about this. Boom, 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 boom. And here's and he actually made a good points for the Phantom Menace and the Duel of the Fates, how it all ties in together. So I was like, wow, this guy knows his shit. That's fair. Yeah, his Phantom Menace take was something that I never thought about. And I've seen that movie a billion times. I never even thought what about is that. What's his Phantom Menace take? I don't think I've ever heard of that. So or effectively effectively the duel of the fates at that point was literally for Anakin's fate and for Anakin's future. Like it wasn't just about the fact that they're facing the first Sith in a thousand years. It was literally over the future of Anakin. Anakin Skywalker in that Darth Maul mm. killing Qui-Gon Jinn sealed the fate of, of Anakin Skywalker even if it was unbeknownst to him and even Sidious and I was I thought that's about yeah and I thought about it and I was like Filoni you're still taking me to school dog damn that's wild damn <laughs> to dual fates gave me a new appreciation for that film dual even fates. though I, even though it's not the greatest <laughs> now this is pod racing <laughs> Yeah, the man knows his shit when it comes to Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to really be a student of something is to be able to, you know, take the themes and replicate it wherever you go. Yeah, and this guy just fucking got it. Like, George, I guess, after that initial interview, he was like, he is the chosen one. He's the one who will bring balance to the force. George trained him. Yeah. Chris, was there anything that you strongly liked or strongly disliked about this season? The Ahsoka arc I really, really enjoyed. I don't think I have anything that I distinctly disliked. The Merez sisters thing was an episode too long, but like, you know, beggars can't be choosers when it's all said and done. It just is what it is. Okay. All right. I guess it's up to me. Well, full disclaimer for anyone who has been living under a rock, uh, Ahsoka Tano is my favorite Star Wars character, and I have been incredibly excited for this season because I really wanted to finally see the fated duel between her and Darth Maul as had been hyped up since Rebels and in true Star Wars fashion we got to see kind of what happened later before we saw what actually happened (laughs) and we learned about the fact that she led the siege of of Mandalore from Rebels as opposed to from Clone Wars but getting to see things this season getting to watch the Bad Batch and just having this Clone Wars come back for a weekly run was really fun and exciting for me and I really enjoyed it I did watch every single episode i watched obviously i watched it week to week i watched the season and the arcs multiple times just to try and piece together how things were going to to weave as a whole i think the only arc that was out of place was the bad batch weirdly enough and just because of the fact that it doesn't really have a like final payoff by the end of the season Everything is wrapped up in that arc, and then you don't really come back to it. I mean, maybe you could say that it's some closure for Rex, but you get a lot of closure for Rex during Order 66. So, like, the Bad Batch was cool. You know, you get to see one last thing with, like, Admiral Trench who finally freaking dies because that dude just never knows how to freaking die. I was like, yo, Admiral Trench is still alive. (laughs) 
I was like, dude, like he was like the first villain in the series. That's a, the, the, the giant spider dude, well, right? Yeah. yeah. Dude, I, was like, yeah. I was like, this motherfucker's still alive. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I was watching it when he, when Brandon texted me that, and I just went and paused, and I was like, how did we get this far? <laughs> Let's circle back. Let's circle back a little bit. Yeah, because he came back in like season six and like he was there from like way back in like the first season. I think it was the first season, either season one or season two. But he was like, if you go yeah, chronologically in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go chronologically, he is like the first villain that they face in the Clone Wars. Like if you scrap the 2D series, like he's like the first like non Jedi or non lightsaber wielding bad guy that they face. So it's just like, oh, yeah, they face him on the battlefield. Anakin faces him right, right before Ahsoka joins him. But it, it's so it's funny, like seeing that payoff where like Anakin finally gets to see it through to the end. <laughs> Because so I guess it's like kind of, so I guess it's kind of good for his arc I guess Marta's sisters definitely too long but necessary like we like we were saying before since Ahsoka left the order just seeing her land in like section 1313 on Coruscant and just stuck with living with the normal people the civilians living a civilian life not just out life outside of being a Jedi but out life life outside of being a soldier not on the battlefield she didn't really get to have a normal childhood and all she knew was life as a Jedi like she'd been training as a Jedi longer than Anakin had like she was found by Plo Koon early as a kid like you know like everyone else like most of the other people who were Jedi and was just there in the temple her whole life so she just thought like the Jedi taught her was like everything about the world and she got out in the real world finally like away from her master away from the jedi away from the war and goes to walk amongst normal people and sees that they don't all like the jedi and the war and they don't really care about the politics and none of that meanwhile she's used to being like she's a commanding officer she had met politicians from all across the galaxy like she's hobnobbing with all the all the big wigs and like you know had a love affair with a separatist all this stuff that had gone on and so she's just like meeting these two kids these two kids and they they don't really give a shit about the Jedi and they they, they blame them because their parents got killed by them or their parents got killed because of their recklessness and it really puts things into perspective for her and she kind of pushes back when she finally comes back to do the Siege of Mandalore and she like brings that energy with her saying like hey most of the people don't really look up to us like we think they do and it's our fault and we have a responsibility to these people to, to, to write that ship and that gives her a better rounded worldview. yeah yeah having that capacity and that self-awareness that she wouldn't have had if she hadn't left the order i think was important i mean like there are other jedi that have left including count dooku but dooku also ended up becoming a sith lord but like she had that wherewithal to leave put things in perspective come back and still be a hero even if she didn't rejoin and still decided to devote herself to doing the right thing and the siege of Mandalore was just fucking badass like just from the, just like from the moment she got her lightsabers back up until that like fight with darth maul and everything was just like top notch i mean you got a lot of characters that pop up in rebels later on like gar saxon and like Ursa Ren, who's uh, Sabine's mom, but she's just like there. She's just like talking to Bo-Katan. Yeah. But like, it's really interesting seeing like the progression and like watching the char- where the characters have come from. You've seen a lot of folks, especially the Mandalore stuff since season two and it, that, getting all that payoff, getting the payoff with Darth Maul from season four. And when he started building like the Shadow Collective and all that stuff, even though we didn't get to see what happened with how he escaped from Darth Sidious, that's okay. Cause we know he did. Unless you read the comics. <coughs> but I yeah. wish they had put those episodes in there, but yeah. at least we have the comics. At least we have the comics. But yeah, Siege of Mandalore, I think, was the, like Jose said, it was the meat of this season. And it's honestly what everyone who was wanted to watch this season was looking forward to. And it did not disappoint. It did not disappoint at all. Like, honestly, it could have been one episode and it still would have popped the way that, but I'm glad that they didn't try to force it into one episode. We got to have some, the really good throwback to the old Lucasfilm logo and have like the actual Star Wars music and all that stuff and have it really feel like a cinematic experience. And, you know, Ray Park came in to to do the the motion capture for it, like, like Jose said. And you also had was it lauren lauren mary kim who did the motion capture for ahsoka she did the body double for the armor and the mandalorian so that scene where the, where the armor is beating up the stormtroopers in the, the the tunnels in like the the season finale for the mandalorian that was her same lady who did ahsoka. which i'm gonna just quickly interject and point out that you can find some of that behind the scenes stuff on yeah. instagram and on youtube and it is amazing yeah their their motion capture footage for that is awesome but yeah that was great and then freaking order 66 god just seeing that all that work that ahsoka put in like she has this epic duel with darth maul and it doesn't fucking matter because like what like less than a day later the clones turn on them and it doesn't fucking matter anymore that's just heart-wrenching to me but she took down one of the baddest motherfuckers in the galaxy and it doesn't matter anymore because the people she's going to turn them over to are dead and then they end yeah up, but yeah. it's also necessary strategy at that point yeah so at that point she just has to like, like how do i get out of here yeah. alive without letting this guy get out of here alive because yeah. he can fuck shit up <laughs> Fuck shit up, he did. He goes. 
shows. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting seeing just him running through and just like, okay, I don't have a lightsaber anymore. Oh, well, I guess I'll just do it the old fashioned way and just start decapitating troopers with a freaking door. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Say what yeah. you want about him, but he has genuine ideas. Yeah. He is, in, what's the word? Ingenuous. Not ingenuous. Fuck it. Ingenious. Uh, he's got ingenious. He, yes. he knows how to improvise. Yes. He does. Clearly, he went to improv Boston. And then, you know, that last <laughs> arc with Ahsoka and Rex, Rex give, having those callbacks to season six with the, the, the arc where with fives, where the with the chip malfunction and trying to get that dealt with and just trying to escape that, that Star Destroyer because that's it. They weren't going to make it back to Coruscant. You know, Anakin had already turned. Dooku was dead. Everyone was dead. Palpatine had won. Everything's closing in on them. And then they're about to crash land on this planet. <laughs> and they're still just trying to fight for their lives. And then still not like Ahsoka tried to make a point and Rex too, like to not kill everyone because they're just like, it, they never wanted to to do what they're doing now. And, you know, their last stand is to try and not to kill the, the soldiers that they fought beside there for the last three years. That final scene, like, I don't think they have a single lick of dialogue after the crash nope. at all. It's just, it's pure. Pure Star Looks. Wars finale where no dialogue, just ambient noise and, and music and, and visuals and visuals. And, people just, visuals. and there's so much that you get out of that in those scenes, even without people saying a word from the visuals of the clones being buried and Ahsoka dropping her lightsabers to the fast forward with Vader and like grabbing the lightsaber and seeing all the destruction and the snow on it and him igniting that lightsaber one last time. It's just man, the cinematography alone is just you don't get that in an animated show usually. <laughs> <laughs> definitely don't get that in syndicated like 22 minutes like tvs like the hell beautiful i mean that's some hbo level shit right there yeah, yeah. they really went out on those last episodes i would argue that those last four episodes were the best star wars movie i've seen in years yeah no seriously it was <laughs> is it better than the last jedi yes yes, yes. i have to say yes too and i like the last jedi i still have to say yes. yeah <laughs> i mean after the rise of skywalker i don't know how i feel about the last jedi now i recently saw rise of skywalker i think it was last weekend uh, when it came on Disney Plus and I liked it a little better because I was able to chew on some of the more emotional moments. I personally feel like it's not as retconned as everyone's saying but at the same time it, it just I don't know what to do with The Last Jedi now because of The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. They're like the two pieces that don't fit together so right. it's weird. Yeah. Yeah because I, I loved The Last Jedi and now after The Rise of Skywalker I don't know how I feel about The Last Jedi so that's, that's fun. Thanks JJ, appreciate it. Yeah, Ooh, I'm saving I that. Feel like take. JJ was making like two movies that connect together better with episode seven and nine, and then yeah. episode eight is like someone came in and did something different, and then he was like, "I've set up all this stuff for episode nine and then it was just like, "Oh, uh, JJ, JJ does his own thing, y'all," and he's gonna go back to what he was already doing. Yeah, and why didn't he just do the eighth movie? So originally he wasn't supposed to be doing episode nine. Remember, Colin Trevorrow was supposed to be doing it. It was supposed one director for yeah, each movie right and that's where it really broke down because once Colin Trevorrow was gone and like Last Jedi was already in post-production so last so like and then they, they got JJ to come back and then you know like Austin I, I rewatched it on May the 4th after I finished Clone Wars and it still feels off for me there's something missing. My feelings on the movie and my rating haven't changed. I still feel like it doesn't fit, but like I'm kind of with right. you on the work. I don't know what to make of Last Jedi anymore either. So I'm like, I'm kind of where Jose was, where it's like, I kind of have to like Force Awakens by default because I don't know what to make of the last two movies anymore. Like yeah. there's stuff that I like in, in all of them and the stuff that I dislike in all of them. The problem with, for me, is that we have a Duel of the Fates script that my, in my personal opinion, wraps everything up well, ties everything together. There are a few nitpicks but on paper it looked like a phenomenal ending to the story there's a large part of me that almost feels like i didn't know it existed because back when the rise of skywalker we saw it and it was terrible it's like all right well that's what they did you know typical can't stick the landing with star wars now but they had it like they had a great story and a great ending and they threw it away it's just thinking about that way more than i should be but I'm like, man, that would have been phenomenal. Yo, pride's a silly thing. Like sometimes some people just don't want to use someone else's idea because it's not their own. So they're willing to just throw it away and be like, this isn't going to play in how I want it to play. So I'm not going to use it. That's on JJ, man. Yeah. Like, they, don't, they don't pay me enough to 
you know, be doing that, but they could. So the cheap, cheap price of half a million dollars a year. <laughs> so I want to continue on this thread. But before we do, let me just go real quickly. Do we have any ratings for this final season? Because I want to come I want to come back to this chat thread a little bit. But let's let's get some ratings out there before we come back to it. Awesome. Do you have a rating for season seven of The Clone Wars? I do. I'm going to go with 8.6. I feel like all of my ratings are this now, but the ending, the last arc, I feel like is a 9 to a 9.5. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, but it only somewhat fits in with the first two, uh, the first two thirds of the season, kind of bring it down a little bit. But all the episodes were good. So overall, 8.6. That's fair. Jose? For me, yeah, I think I have the same issues as Austin. So I'm just going to go with a 7.5 for the this season as a whole. Like the last four episodes, solid 9 out of 10 for me. The other ones, they were fine, I guess, but those bring the average down. That's fair. Probably the general consensus in all honesty. Chris? I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. The okay. first and the last arc really bring it in. I didn't like the middle arc, but I also recognize the importance of it. And honestly, some good action in the, in that arc, too. That's fair. I'm also at a nine, actually. Weirdly enough, the last four episodes did enough for me to, to really appreciate the full season. Even if I feel the Bad Batch wasn't really essential, it was nice to have that as a weekly series, right? If you're binging, it's one thing. But as a weekly series, having the Bad Batch there is like getting you back in the groove of the old familiar Star Wars. And that's the way that we used to watch it on Cartoon Network. So that kind of helped ease me back in before getting to the main story. As an experience watching it weekly and taking that into account and just like the the final payoff, I have to give it a 9 out of 10, even with the even with the weaker parts of the season. There's still stuff that I wish was in it. The missing arc for Maul and then the the closure for Asajj Ventress. But, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. wish those like missing episodes from season six had made it into the cut here. That's literally 12 episodes that they, that, yeah. that they cut out right there because like the Asajj Ventress stuff was eight episodes that they turned into a novel and then the the mall stuff was another four episodes that they turned into a comic that I game know, son I of Dothamir gave me comic. what I wanted damn it I know <laughs> yeah. we got Darth Maul Grievous fighting Dooku and Sidious damn and Mace Windu it's like almost everyone's in that arc and you're just like damn yeah. we didn't get to see this on TV that's like, my take on the Clone Wars as a show as a whole that the villain arcs are the more interesting ones to me that's fair I feel like the show really took off when it started focusing less on movie characters in general. Outside of maybe Darth Maul. Darth Maul's a movie character, but he's like, yeah. he only had one movie. Hell, but if anything, I count like, Maul more as a Filoni character than a George Lucas character. Because yes, George Lucas created him, I but Filoni that. gave him a personality. Sense, yeah. He, he we, fleshed him out. He made yeah. him a character. We gotta give credit where, where he credit is due, though. Like, George Lucas was involved was involved in the series up until the Disney purchase, so we have to give him a little credit as well. He was direct. He was still directing like the writer's room. He didn't And then he got a billion idea. dollars, and he was like, I'm gonna go chill some yeah, four billion. <laughs> like Lucas was in the writing room for the entire series up until they sold it. And even was it episodes, his idea to bring Maul back? Actually, I don't know if he followed them on Maul. He definitely said he he initially disagreed with Ahsoka because he's just like Anakin doesn't have a Padawan, and then Lucas is just like he does now. <laughs> yeah, in story wise, like why would they give the hot headed Padawan who frequently disobeys orders speaks out of term a Padawan that's just like him? Like that's like giving the bad kid another kid to mentor that's just like him. We know the intention though to try no, to help them both mature. But yeah, it's kind of weird now seeing this version of Anakin with the movie ones because it's like, okay, whiny, immature, hating Christensen in episode two, this more mature version in the Clone Wars and then back to hating Christensen. So I guess a little nitpicky on my end, I don't know, but like felt weird. Kind of sounds like they don't want to foster like parent-child relationships. They want to foster more teacher-student relationships and like you have to go and you have to break bonds in certain ways. You have to make sure that you're not like overly parental, but like parental Mm -hmm. to a point that you could teach them, but like make the separation when you need to make that separation. Yeah. Yeah. The Anakin thing is like Yoda wanted to try and make Anakin mature and over time it seemed like the one who really matured was Ahsoka. Like sure, Anakin matures in the show, but because of the movie we can't really like it's there's like a disconnect in, in a lot of ways yeah i mean he's getting secret married he's yeah. trying to figure out how to bring people back to life even though it's against their laws yeah you know it's against a lot of laws for, see for me mortis was the weirdest and most confusing fucking thing i've ever seen in this arc it was it was completely weird fucking everything and it's like you put george lucas and dave filoni together and then you you literally get star wars meets avatar last airbender because that's where all that shit just like i guess you got, together. You got, like the father the son the holy spirit i mean daughter and uh, <laughs> you got like a dude that's like straight up Dracula. Who was also Sam Witwer, by the way. Yeah, also Sam Witwer. You got Lady yeah. Hippogriff that's like basically like Buckbeak from the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> 
You got uh, okay. Alien Gandalf as your dad. And, yeah, this dude, this <laughs> alien yeah, Gandalf. this is shit played out exactly at Dracula. The dude turns into a giant bad. He dresses in all black. He gives people visions of the future. He bites people and turns them into their slaves. He can only be killed by that dagger through the heart. Come on, this is straight up Dracula, guys. <laughs> it's totally Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Like it's weird to me. Like the implications of having the Force have actual god-like deities, but yeah, shit got wild. And then Anakin blew up a planet or something. It got weird, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then it might have just been a dream, but maybe not really. Goddamn. Shit was oh, I weird. forgot about that planet part. Shit. Yeah. That, that is my my one kind of fear with Filoni is that he'll need someone to rein it in. In Rebels, too, he does it a lot, where it's like this Jedi mysticism where it gets more into fantasy and less into sci-fi. And I feel like if someone isn't there to be like, hey, let's let's keep this a little more grounded, then he could go off the rails and mm-hmm. jump the shark. So that's my one thing with Filoni that I ha- have a disagreement with, yeah. I guess you could say. Yeah, and I think well, that's, that's working well with The Mandalorian, because I think John Favreau right. is the guy that like keeps them in check like all right that's nah, that's not really how it works here so let's try this instead yeah well also Favreau's the showrunner wild that oh Favreau's the showrunner on that like don't yeah, don't forget true. so it that's is true. more so him like Filoni's there as an executive producer and as a director he's there to learn like keep in mind even in the back behind the scenes episodes he's talking about how he's learning from all these other directors that are yeah. coming in because he doesn't know how to do live action he was an animator <laughs> but Favreau yeah. is running the Mandalorian like Filoni was like his co-writer but it is yeah. it is Favreau's shit Good to run. learn from yeah, that seems like Dave is really bringing in those ideas, but like Favreau knows when to keep him in check. Like, all right, let's let's focus on this. Yeah, side. they should both have the um the Fahy role. A, yeah, there are rumors that they they might. Yeah, yeah. so you never know. Yeah. So let let's actually talk on that thread a little bit because you know I like to give credit where credit is due, but also give criticism where criticism is due. I know like there have been times that I've been a little hesitant to like to like go ape shit on Kathleen Kennedy just because I didn't really feel a need for it. But I also don't want to like I don't want to blindly praise and blindly criticize either. I feel like like you can see the contrast and I have to give the criticism for the films that ca- that have come out. Like we got five Star Wars movies in about five years and yeah. maybe two out of five were like good movies. So they had a great one-two punch in 2015 and 2016 with Force Awakens and Rogue One. Like, you got Force Awakens, as derivative as it has come to be known. It is a genuinely engaging film, and it really draws you in. And a lot of that has to do with the cinematography, the acting, the character chemistry, and the mystery boxes, unfortunately, for better or for worse. But it is a genuinely engaging film, and it's a visually engaging film. Rogue One, I think, was like a very ballsy movie in doing something completely different than Star Wars hasn't done before. There's a lot of stuff where it's just a pure war movie, and they had the balls to kill the entire cast, which you wouldn't think of especially after the house of mouse purchases it and so it it was cool to see all those characters and and all these these points come together and it is a little slow but considering it's a one shot you kind of have to forgive part of that there is substantial payoff especially by the time you get to the third act you kind of forget that you've only been watching all these characters for one movie and you just kind of like okay this battle is happening and then all of a sudden they all blow up and you're just like fuck And then Last Jedi comes out and then, you know, we start questioning things. And then Solo comes out and we start questioning things more. And then Rise of Skywalker happens and then we're just like, fuck. So, yeah. Like, I see your point there, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we had they had a good... They had a good two-year run, and then Rebels wasn't bad. Resistance is trash. I'm not even touching that. But yeah, we, we had a lot of questionable content. But you know, at the, at the same time, you live and you learn. We look behind the scenes, and it looks like Kathleen Kennedy was trying to write the ship in some way. But for those other mistakes, you kind of have to really. We do have to give have to give the the criticism where it's due. And you know, you didn't make the right call with not really thinking through the trilogy, especially if you know you're doing a trilogy. And I think that's where a lot of weaknesses end up coming up with a lot of trilogies in general. You know, if if a trilogy knows it's a trilogy already it, it takes fewer risks and doesn't really piece together its story as, as well as it could and so the force yeah. awakens left a lot of things open-ended and just like oh yeah we know it's a trilogy so we're just gonna hand it off right and they didn't really focus on making an overarching story but you know the films we have the criticism but like the tv shows she kind of greenlit those and knew who to trust she didn't really know who to trust for the movies but she knew who to trust for the tv shows and it paid off right we only got one bad tv yeah. show clone wars came back awesome mandalorian awesome rebels was rebels good trash is like resistance and that only had two seasons so who gives a shit rebels doesn't start out 
that strong, but Rebels grows and, like, gets better as you go on because they figure it out. I don't know if they just, like, make one big thing happen. I don't remember Rebels as well as I should, but, like, they go and they blow everything up at one point and just write the shit from there and keep going from that point forward, I think is what happens. Not blow everything up, but fuck it up enough that they could just be like, all right, now we can course correct from here. Yeah. Funny thing with Rebels is that Greg Wiseman worked on that first season. So, like, you can kind of see the way that he plots things in that first season. There's almost no filler because there are a bunch of things that happen earlier in the season that come back by before the end of the season. <laughs> like, yeah. even the stupid TIE Fighter Damn, episode is, ends up being important. There needs to be, like, a Feige-esque person has, like, creative control and a creative vision for the franchise, even if it's not necessarily the yeah. producer, right? Like, I don't know yeah. if Kathleen Kennedy needs to go, but they do need someone who has their their hands and an interest in actually maintaining the great holocron, so to speak. I'm going to jump in here and just point out that like this is maybe one of the biggest franchises in the world it's like them dc comics marvel pokemon and this fan base is so old at this point like it starts in like what the 70s Mm -hmm. you got to keep old people young people who have grown up with this happy and you got to keep them interested you got to keep them focused and like if you think something's going off the rails that's gonna derail them from continuing to buy your product you have to do whatever you can to keep them within the loop so like you go and you have decisions to go and scrap who's directing solo in place of someone else but like you're taking a chance that that's the right idea when you make a decision you don't think it's a bad decision in the moment and you go and you get the further reflection on that and you hope that you don't make a bad decision again i don't know what goes on in kathleen kennedy's mind but i would think that that's how she's probably working on this that she she hopes she's not making bad decisions every time she does something but at the same time like maybe a creative director would help because they would go and they would say all right this is kind of working better we don't need to change the ship here i can see what someone else is doing she's not a director she doesn't come from that background she has i think she has a news background at that also but at the same time she's run this ship and she's run this ship well like she's got billion dollar movies under her run like they're not losing nobody's starving here yeah and she's worked on like the indiana jones movies i think as well and she's worked she's like she's like produced with indiana jones and spielberg and stuff like that she was working and she's just not like i think all what Austin said earlier is correct like she likes Star Wars but she's not like she's not in the writing room per se she's not writing yeah. things out for them and yeah. they need she's someone like creator. that she's, she's not a yeah. screenwriter she's, she's a producer yeah, and exactly Filoni or John Favreau would even be an interesting choice I said this before that they should have them both run it just because Favreau would like temper down Filoni's like mysticism and like getting too close to the sun and Filoni would let Favreau get close to the sun when he needs to yeah they go well together yeah they both share that love of Star Wars and one has that creative and story knowledge and the other one has that background experience and like how film production works and directing yeah. and sort of like sailing the ship. He's already worked with Marvel on that so he kind of has a grasp on how a well-run ship needs to be handled and Filoni has that like intensive knowledge that he could bring to the table. Yeah, and like Filoni's Filo- done it too with Avatar. Granted, he, he wasn't the head writer but like he's worked on, on a similar project where the narrative is extremely important and you have to take care because you have so few episodes or, or you have a set amount of time to really tell their story yeah yeah austin any final thoughts on clone wars as a whole i was surprised at how how easy it was to get through the seasons and how i didn't think it was going to be good i had that mentality of oh it's just a stupid animated show about a story that i don't really care much about and it turned out to be pretty good i did enjoy rebels more than the Clone Wars and I think that's more because the timeline is much closer to the original trilogy which I obviously have more of a connection with but all the same I learned to really like Ahsoka see that Obi-Wan had tragedy in his life see different sides of Anakin learn more about the other Jedi that didn't really get speaking parts the seven seasons went by pretty fast yeah man Jose you have any final thoughts on Clone Wars overall like I agree with Austin that basically this show was better when it wasn't focusing on the Clone Wars and fleshing out the characters more when we got those backdoor stories on 
on Obi-Wan. We fleshed out Anakin's fall to the dark side more. So overall, like comparing this to the 2D Clone Wars, I would recommend the 2D Clone Wars to somebody who just wants to know what happens between episodes two and three. And then if they, once they really love Star Wars, then recommend this show to see them flesh out the characters, expand the mythology, and really get into like know the inner workings of how the Star Wars universe works. Those are both great points. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the, the 2D Clone Wars, they introduced us to Saz Ventress and General Grievous. Sir, I still just, say those yeah. fit in perfectly canonically. Except I agree. for like that one. Yeah. Volume one of Clo- Volume One of the 2D series still works as like a prequel to yeah. the 3D series. Yep. And basically, I think most of Volume Two works except for like the last mission of Obi Wan and Anakin to Navlin just flows in almost beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, the 2D one gave us Anakin's knighting ceremony. Yeah. And actually made Grievous a badass. True that. True. My one final thought on Clone Wars is they should have aired the damn thing in chronological order, man. Don't do that to me. <laughs> Don't jump up and down the timeline, but that that's it. Time is an illusion, Brandon. You know that. <laughs> yes, as Ezra learned as he traveled through the Force. We live in the time of COVID. Time doesn't matter. A world between worlds. All right. Preach. I think it means it's time for Hot Take City. So for this one, Jose, I'm going to let you go first. All right. I got a few ones lined up. Okay. So mm-hmm. I felt like Ahsoka was basically Anakin if he hadn't turned evil. Turn had a very similar arc. And then basically like, oh, yeah, what could possibly go wrong with these two? The hot-headed ones that disobey orders? No, it's not like one of them is going to turn evil and the other one's going to leave the Jedi Order. Pfft, we're fine. We're fine, guys. Well, see how that turned out for them. 2D Grievous still MVP. 3D Grievous got his ass handed to him by Jar Jar and the Gungans. I lost all respect for him after this like nope i don't believe that this is a guy who like killed jedi and took their lightsabers after watching that scene it's like no you got your ass fucking handed to you by jar jar you you lose points severely for that you stole those lightsabers i don't believe you 2d uh, clone war grievous hell yeah he kicked ass and the villain arcs were the most interesting ones to me the night sister ones wish that i could have seen the son of dothamir take place but yeah all the mall ones when he came back sam whitmer it just brought that character back to life like goddamn, he just killed it and i still feel like he would have been a better overall villain for the prequel series as a whole like Count Duke is fine he's cool and all but like Maul had that like same quality that Darth Vader did he had the look he had he and he, and he brought something different he had this unique skill set that Darth Vader didn't have with the lightsaber skills so I think George Lucas regretted not making Maul the main villain up until Anakin's turn to the dark side because yeah Dooku I feel like would have been better as like a almost like a Grand Moff Tarkin almost role in the Clone Wars and then yeah the live action shows I'm still worried the Mandalorian season two might get overstuffed with gratuitous cameos. Like, yes, I know that they haven't been technically confirmed by Lucasfilm, but I'm assuming that's because they want to save it as a surprise for people. Because damn, we got like so far the ones that are almost certainly confirmed are like Ahsoka, Boba Fett, and Bo-Katan, and then Cobb Banth from Aftermath, and then the other rumored ones, Captain Rex, and then possibly Harrison Dula, Sabine Wren, and maybe Ray Park as Maul or another character. Like, damn, that's a lot. That's a lot of people. So I'm kind of worried that they might stuff it too much with too many cameos, but at least if the ones that have been told have been true, I hope they pay off well, especially the, the folks from Mandalore. They will seem to make the more sense. The other ones, it's like, if you're really going to put the, all these characters in there, then damn, that might be overdoing it. Gotta stuff a turkey right if you want it to be juicy. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Also, the only way Maul's coming back is if it's a flashback. Cause yeah, that, yeah, it's only going to be a flashback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you bring Magus Maul, it's going to be a flashback to, as to what happened in Mandalore. But, and yeah, or he might play another character total. I'm okay with that. So hopefully they don't overstuff it with too many callbacks to other stuff. Or trying to set up like the Ahsoka spinoff that, that's rumored out there or what have you. I feel like the Clone Wars show validated the prequels in a lot of ways and elevated those movies and made them better. So maybe down the line they try to do something like that for the sequel trilogy. But who knows? I know Resistance ain't it, but maybe if they give it another shot, with something else that could be something so far the mandalorians fulfilling the role of a good show that we need from following okay fair enough austin hot takes hot takes one thing that i kind of had a problem with rebels is it became formulaic after a while because every episode was we gotta go into the empire's base and steal their stuff and it's like how many episodes can you do that with Apparently four seasons. But all the same, I enjoyed Hera and all 
of them. The second is I think it would be interesting to see a general Thrawn series with yes. the person who voice acted him in the show. Lars Mikkelsen. He, yeah, I, I love that actor. He was phenomenal in Sherlock. Oh, yeah. He was phenomenal in House of Cards. Yeah. He was weird in The Witcher, but everything was kind of weird with The Witcher. It, it would be really, really fun. But now my hot take of hot takes is not related to Star Wars, but it's related to Netflix. Uh-oh. Netflix needs to come up with an exclusive deal for Nickelodeon, or else they are going to get just bought out by Disney+. Plus. Because Disney Plus has so much content right out the gate, and Netflix is feels like it's so desperate for content that I keep getting emails saying, hey, here's what you can watch next. And I know that they're, I'm getting these automatic emails because I haven't really watched anything from them in like three weeks or months or whatever. So why don't you like get those old shows? Give me Zoe 101. Give me Unfabulous. I need that. I have Muppet Treasure Island. And I found out it's not as good as I thought it was. <laughs> Give me Unfabulous. Give me Zoe 101. I need my Teen Nick. You might get that because they recently didn't they put like Victorious on there? Right. So I feel like they're already. Yeah, they're making moves. If they can get kind of exclusive access and then Nickelodeon can just put all of their stuff on their. They have a deal with Nickelodeon, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's how they got They, they must have some. Here. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did the Invader Zim movie. Yeah, and, and the, the Rocco's Modern, Modern Life one. Yeah. yeah, and they, I think I saw like the Hey Arnold movie on there too. Yeah. True. Yep. So you know what, Austin? But they're getting honestly, there. They're getting there. Yeah. No, well, I agree with Austin though. Also, Victorious is wild washed. It's so crazy like, to me that, the, that like, the lead character is not the most talented one in the show. Yo, my favorite thing is that there's a behind the scenes like little thing that came out a couple years ago and it's just that main actress going, we can all sing and it's about uh she was kind of making fun of uh ariana grande oh yeah the whole it's like well who would have thought ariana grande would come out as the biggest person on this show everybody everybody would have thought that yeah that girl was singing Mm -hmm. i've made a lot of comments about ariana grande just doing what black girls do in r&b and that shit's obvious i feel like this might be a repeat hot take i just kind of feel the need to say it though clone wars has kind of given a renaissance for george lucas like it's almost like this the fandom had a 180 on George Lucas after the sequel series. I mean, we're getting news that like there might be a secret George Lucas cut of Rise of Skywalker that he like hated the sequels, all of them, and it's just like we're just getting all this stuff, and like people are just like, yes, George, yes, even though you sold the company for four billion dollars, <laughs> yes, be this petty motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm gonna put this out here. If someone offers you four billion dollars for your company and you're not like crazy rich, you're you're thinking about it. You're looking at the deal and you're like, ah, I might have to do this. Yeah, I think I would think do I, it in a heartbeat. Yeah, probably. Yeah. There's also the funny story from I like from Bob Iger's memoir where they're talking about the the, the Lucasfilm purchase and like Lucas might have set a trap for them with with the sequel trilogy to begin with. <laughs> I mean, and this is com- coming from Rebel Force Radio. Shout out to Rebel Force Radio. But they had they were going through the memoir, like the audiobook of the memoir, and they were going through that chapter. But it was effectively Bob Iger was saying that in order to try to increase the value of Lucasfilm, George just started doing like pre-production on a new trilogy just to try and increase the value of the purchase. So he basically wrote those treatments just to like shit something out to make sure that the purchase, like Lucasfilm had a higher value when it came time to sign the paper. But then he thought when he signed the paper, he thought that they were bringing him on as as the story consultant and they were going to use his treatments so that way he could basically have his cake and eat it too and so when he found out that they're going in a different direction for episode seven he got mad even though he got even though he took the money he got mad <laughs> i mean when the checks cleared the checks yeah, cleared. Check cleared but yeah he got mad and so he kind of pulled out that's really it i was gonna say fuck jj abrams but after trying to do our own write-up of stuff it ain't easy especially so, when like you got two other like movies that you have to follow up with it's like oh shit how do i fit all this in one movie yeah yeah almost one hand it is nice to have the full control of all three movies though then you can really plot things out but you know the the importance of having a writer's room Makes and really t- last jedi probably wouldn't have happened the way it did in the well the disconnect wouldn't have happened between jj and ryan if jj had just been upfront about it because ryan to his credit he said that he talked to him and jj was like no do whatever you want he didn't tell him shit so he did whatever he wanted they're both pretty good directors but they just didn't work together yeah they weren't on the same page yeah. they weren't on the same page because you look at knives out fantastic movie yeah yeah fantastic movie <laughs> like you don't know who did it 
it until the absolute end and knives out. Yeah. And it's wild. Like, you could have predicted that person, but still, you didn't predict the method. Yeah, yeah even if you predict it, you're just, you're, it's like, you're still surprised. It's just like, oh, wait, yeah. they, oh, wow. Oh, okay. They hit the <laughs> method of how that grandfather dies the entire time. And it's, Anadarmus deserves more things. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's going to she be in James Bond, them. right? Yeah, she's getting them one Oh, day. yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's going to be in the new Bond movie. So, yeah. Oh, well, now I live in a world where the if it comes out. exists. So, hey. Hey, True. that's True. where I'm getting. Yeah. On a yeah. random side note, Brandon, I could totally see you losing your absolute shit at Galaxy's Edge when you go to Disney World. I have my lightsaber planned already. See, like I could, <laughs> I can just imagine it now. You'll just go up to the cast members asking a bunch of questions, and they'll be like, "Sir, I just work here. Do you want to buy this plastic thing or not?" Fallen Order has prepared me for my lightsaber. That's nice, sir. The line starts over there. <laughs> I say we all gotta go together. Though. Oh yeah, absolutely. We gotta make it a Nerdcraft Nation trip to Galaxy's Edge. Yes, you could literally spend yeah, yeah, yeah. a day there. Maybe 2021 yes. if things get better. Who knows? Now, a question, is this in Florida or in California? But let's go to Florida. Yeah, they're, they're, it's in both. But I'd say let's if we're going to do it, let's do the Florida one. Because I think that one's a okay. little bigger. Yeah. And yeah. We're all East Coast guys. Yeah. Makes it easier for us anyway. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, everyone. I think that's it for this episode. So let's do a quick round off. Austin Hall, where can the people find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram at A-H-A. LL3234. That's on Instagram. And on Twitter, you can find me at ADWAUSTIN on Twitter. Tweet, tweet. <laughs> All right. Jose, where can the people find you on social media? They can find me on Twitter at SH1TJAYLOWSAYS and on Instagram at JDLA92. All right. Mr. Walker, where can the people find you? Yeah, it's Mr. Walker's my grand. Grandfather. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CWLKR20. Thank you, Chris. And people can find me on Twitter at BCKESSO and on Instagram at LDChocolate. Thank you all and may the force be with you. May the force be with you always. Hey everyone, this is Chris with the Fact Check. Star Wars has a lengthy history in animated efforts, starting with Droids in 1985, which was basically the exploit of C-3PO and R2-D2, Ewoks, which ran for two seasons in 1985 and 1986, effectively the Ewoks as Care Bears, Clone Wars actually started in 2003 as a micro-series featuring episodes that ran for three minutes each for the first two seasons, and then a third season with 12-minute episodes. Then, we followed that up with Clone Wars, which ran from 2008 to 2013 on Cartoon Network, starting with the movie. Then, in 2014, it was revived by Netflix. And then, we have our final season, which we discussed on this episode, which was produced by Disney+. Rebels started in 2014-2018 on Disney XD, five years before New Hope. Forces of Destiny was another micro-series based on three-minute episodes about the women of Star Wars like Rey, Ahsoka Tano, and Jyn Erso. Resistance ran for two seasons, 40 episodes, and was based before and during the new sequels and was on Disney XD as well. To clarify, Ahsoka Tano was brought into the Jedi Order at the age of three by Plo Koon and assigned to Anakin at the age of 14. The Duel of the Fate was a 2016 draft from Colin Trevaux and Derek Conley. Trevaux was fired in 2017 because of creative differences, and their script featured no Palpatine. Finn and Rose are more prominent and actually are given directive and missions. Ren stays evil, he doesn't get a redemption arc, and Rey isn't related to Palpatine. Simon Kinberg, was the creative consultant on Force Awakens, has a thank you credit on Rogue One and is the EP and creator of Rebels along with Dave Filoni and Greg Wiseman. And that's it for today. And that's our show. Nerdcraft Nation is a partner of Pub Square Media and is hosted by Austin Hall, Jose Lopez, Brandon Kessley, and Chris Walker. Our theme music was composed by Daniel Ferris. If you'd like to keep up with the show, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdcraft Nation, like us on Facebook, or subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Be sure to leave a review if you can. If you'd like to send us a voice message, please check our show notes for a link to our voicemail inbox.